0: That, Father, you would turn our gaze to yourself, that you would help us to take in what you have for us. And pray for anyone who is um, maybe struggling in, in, in darkness this morning, that they would see that there is light that's found in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Before I, I get into the passage, I, I wanted to just pose this question to you. And it's not really related to what we're going to talk about this morning. But um, I was really challenged with this question a couple of days ago. Do you have a growing, vital relationship with Jesus Christ? Is that how you would describe your relationship? It's a vital growing relationship with jesus and if that sounds completely foreign like what in the world are you talking about can i challenge you this week to find an answer to why that sounds so strange and and if it makes sense you're like okay i get what you're saying a relationship with jesus but if it's not described if you can't describe it as growing or as vital can I challenge you to trust Jesus to make that clear this week? Why am I not growing in my relationship with you, Lord? Like why does it not seem like the most important thing, vital in my life? Can I challenge you to to seek Him this week in the sessions, in the sports, in, in the, the discussion groups, in the downtime? Can I challenge you to to wrestle with that question? Why am I not growing? Why does it seem like I'm not growing? Um, Because that's what we're called to, a growing relationship, a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what these sessions are. They're to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Now, let me ask you another question. Who here has been hiking and has gotten lost before? Has that happened to you? It's a little scary, isn't it? Not not a fun situation. I, there's a story uh, my pastor has shared before. Um, he was out in the woods. He had gone, and I think he had taken his guitar. He was just going to spend some time with Jesus out in the woods. He's enjoying his time with the Lord, and it just kept going and going. And as he was out in the woods, it, it started getting kind of late, and in fact, it started turning dark. And before he even realized it and knew it, it was completely dark. And he was wandering around in these woods, going in circles and circles. He started contemplating, okay, I might be here all night. I'm going to stay the night in these woods because it just got completely dark on him. Well, he started looking around. and, And at one point, he got to a point in the woods where he just saw a little glimmer of light and he just thought that's where i need to head to like just this little speck of light on the horizon that's that's where i'm going and he got out he survived he didn't have to spend the night in in the woods and you know i thought yeah maybe maybe some of us haven't gotten lost physically as we're out hiking but i wonder how many of us have had periods or seasons in our life that just seem really dark times in our lives where we we feel like we're just going in circles and it's getting hard times in our lives where um, emotionally or spiritually, there's this heaviness. You could call it different things. You might call it being um, depressed you might call it being in, in despair or just just not feeling like there's much motivation to do anything. And um, don't raise your hand, but I wonder, have you experienced that before? Uh, it's not too uncommon that, that you guys in your age would go through a season like that. And maybe you have been through a season like that. And, and you know what I'm talking about. And I, and I know there's some times where that darkness is brought on because... Like, physically, there's not the right uh, chemicals and all, and, and, and so that's a different kind of thing. We're, we're talking about more of an emotional or spiritual kind of darkness and, and depression that might come on. And this morning, we're going to be talking about a guy who lived about 2,500 years ago. He had a similar experience. Things were really dark for him at times. In fact, he once wrote, I've even forgotten what happiness is like, and, and he goes on to say, and and I'm just going to put this on the screen. I'm not going to tell you where it's found because I want you to just focus on what's here. He wrote this. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. And you're probably wondering, like, what's wormwood? <laughs> well, um it, it's not actually wood, and it has nothing to do with worms. It, it's talking about bitterness. That's the, it's, it was a bitter herb that. Sometimes, for some reason, they would add to drinks. I don't know why. Um, But to make something bitter, they would add wormwood. And so the the idea here is he's just talking about bitter poison. Um, This affliction, the wandering or homelessness that he's experienced, not having a a real base, um, it's like drinking poison. It's hurtful and it's bitter, bitter poison. And then he says, my soul continually... Remembers it and is bowed down within me. the 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 idea here is he's constantly thinking about this, the the suffering, the affliction, and it's causing him to be bowed down. Or the idea is he's depressed. That's one tra- way um, a translation writes it. I'm depressed, but this I call. To mind, and therefore, I have hope and when he means hope here he 's not talking about i'm guessing something's going to happen it's i'm i'm certain it's going to happen and i 'm just a matter of waiting it 's kind of like i 'm hopeful that there will be eleven a m this morning, okay, unless the Lord returns. 11 a.m. is going to come and it's just a matter of waiting for it. It's, it's going to be here. And that's the idea behind hope. He's certain that there's going to be something. There's a future. He's not just going to be wandering in darkness. There's hope out there and, and there's a light out there. But this I call to mind. So the question, there's, there's really two questions that this brings up. Why was he so depressed? What was his suffering and his afflictions? What was it that's causing the depression? And then, how does he have hope? What was that light that he saw out in the distance that he determined to move towards? And what we're going to see is there's these three actions that he takes to get to the light. And it's three actions we can take if we find ourselves in, in a dark woods In a dark forest, going in circles, feeling depressed and lost. So these are the two questions we're going to aim at as we go this this morning. And it's my desire that if you come to a place of darkness in the future, you'll remember what we see here. Now, the the book that we're going to be turning to is called Lamentations. Lamentations. And and if you're not sure where that is, that's okay. It's it's a short book. It's in the Old Testament. So if you go to the book of Jeremiah, that's fairly large. um, Not in the middle of the Bible, but slightly to the right of the middle of the Bible. And um, right after Jeremiah is, excuse me, the book of Lamentations, So turn with me to the book of Lamentations and we're going to be in chapter three. And as you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Lamentations. So back in 586 BC, so about 2,500 years ago, there's a guy by the name of Jeremiah. And he lived um, in this time period in 586 was when... Jerusalem, where the temple was, where God's people, kind of their um, their national center, their capital, was located, it fell to a group of people from the north called the Babylonians, and Jerusalem just got leveled. They came through, and they made sure there wasn't much left standing. They took down part of the wall and the structures. Um, There was a beautiful temple that Solomon built. They just ransacked it, looted it, broke it down, and they just leveled everything out. And in fact, in the book of Lamentations, we learn a little bit of what it was like to experience that. While the Babylonians were parked outside of Jerusalem, things got so bad, there was a famine, and people, this is gross, but they they would eat each other. Um, They got so hungry. So... um, they they when the Babylonians came in, it, it talks about how they just looted the temple and it was a beautiful place, um, and it was just wiped out. And people were just slaughtered when the Babylonians came in. Um, I, I guess one way that maybe you could think about it, it was kind of like how ISIS just kind of went through and just they were brutal. I, I wonder if that was what it was maybe like. I don't know for certain, but. Um, but you can only imagine what it was like when the Babylonians broke through the wall and started going through the city. There wasn't anyone saying, look, you need to be nice, you know, um, like you need to fight fairly. No, they were the winners. You're the losers. We do whatever we want to you sort of thing. And so they came through and, and Jeremiah was alive in this time. And, and so um, we, we think that probably Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote the Book of Lamentations. And the the name kind of gets the idea from the very first word of the book, and it has the idea of loud cries. And so very early on, the Jewish leaders, the rabbis, named this book Lamentations. It's a lament, you're crying, you're you're sorrowful, because that's kind of the tone throughout the book of sorrow uh, because of what's happened. It's a poetic book, and it's um which really just shows that it was really thought through, Um, the way that they wrote it in the Hebrew. It was not just, uh, let me just write something off. No, this was very thoughtful in how it was structured and written. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jeremiah. He had a really difficult life, really hard life. Um, He lived in a time that was spiritually very dark. He was living for the Lord and everyone around him wasn't. They were worshiping idols. And he was at a younger age, about y'all's age, maybe a little bit older, he was called to be a messenger for God and to deliver God's message. But the message that God had given him wasn't popular because he was warning people, look, you're going to get destroyed unless you repent. And people didn't like that message. So people got upset at him. At one point, he was a fugitive. At one point, he got imprisoned. His own family, some of them turned against him. All because God had called him to stand for him. And it was really, really hard. And, and he ministered for like 40 years, not really seeing any, any results from his ministry. I mean, he's pr- telling people like, repent, turn back to God. You're going to get wiped out. And they do they don't listen at all. They hate him in a lot of ways for it. And yet Jeremiah was faithful and he loved the people and he cried out to God and he was praying for the people and, and praying and um he wanted his people to turn back to the Lord. And um and they don't. And so God brings judgment on them. And yet, through it all, Jeremiah remained faithful to the Lord. And so as a result of experiencing all of this, we think he probably wrote the book of Lamentations. And it would seem like this third chapter, we're going to read through some of it, um, was his own story. We're not for sure, it doesn't say exactly, but it would seem like this is Jeremiah explaining his experience. And, And I recommend reading through the book of Jeremiah if you want to see a little bit more of what he experienced and the suffering that he had. But we get a little picture of it here. And in fact, um, let me just show you how chapter 3 flows. We're not going to look at all of it. We're going to look at the first section, talking about his sufferings, what brought about the depression. And then we're going to look at those early part of the second section, his hope, because he transitions out of that. He turns, like we just read earlier, he he brought something to mind and it gave him hope. And we're going to we're finding out what was it that gave him hope, uh, a bright brightness to his future. Um, and so we're not going to go through the whole chapter. We're we're looking more at that transition. What brought about this hope in his in his life? Um, but that's the flow of of the chapter. So let's go about and let's answer this first question. And to do that, let me read through. The first couple of verses, verses 1 through 18 of Lamentations chapter 3. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again all the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He's broken my bones. He's besieged me and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He's made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He's walled me about so that I can't escape. He's made my chains heavy. Though I call and I cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with blocks of stone He's made my paths crooked. He's a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He's turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He's made me desolate. He's bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove it into my kidneys and arrows and the arrows of of his quiver. I've become the laughingstock of all people's the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He's sated me with wormwood. He's made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. What are some ways that you would describe, so this an open-ended question, I want some feedback here, so don't be afraid to answer. How would you describe his suffering? What are some ways that you guys see it? Any ideas? What's that? Yeah, he's depressed. Yeah, what else? What's causing this? What? What's going on? Yeah, he's he's out of hope. Um, physically, what do you think, what's he kind of mentioning? And maybe he's being a little symbolic here, but physically, what's he feel like? Being yeah, he's being attacked, torn to pieces. Um, my flesh and my skin are wasting away. It feels like his body is just giving out. Um It seems like maybe, maybe he's broken some bones there. In verse 4, it talks about that. He's, emotionally, he has struggled with bitterness. He's filled with it. He doesn't have peace anymore. Um, people are making fun of him. He's the laughing stock. Even spiritually, he talks about, I'm in, it's like I'm living in darkness. He feels like his prayers aren't going anywhere. He's lost his peace again and he's forgotten what happiness is. And it's dark. It's a dark picture that he paints for us. Did you catch who the he is in this? Who's the one that he's talking about? This is strange. It's kind of a hard hard question, but I think someone can get it. Yeah, God. He feels like God's actually opposing him. He knows God's in control and God's allowed this suffering and he's just being honest here. Lord, it seems like you here. And he knows God's sovereign and he's allowed this suffering and he's depressed and he's struggling. He feels forsaken. That's what some of the scholars say. Yeah, he didn't mention his name because it's, He wants people to know that he feels abandoned by God, in a sense. And so he doesn't mention really his name throughout this chapter or this part of the chapter. But that isn't where we stay. So he's going to move beyond this point of darkness. But that's what's going on. That's the affliction that he's suffering. He's experienced a lot, and he mentions it in these verses but how does he come to a place of hope? So if this is the darkness. So he sees light. How does he get to the light? What's, what's the actions there? That What are the steps there? And that's what we're going to see in the next couple of verses. The the verses that we read at the beginning are verses 19, 20, and 21. Let me read that again. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down or depressed within me but this i call to mind and therefore i have hope okay in verse 21 i want you to look at that verse and i want you to see what action here's where it starts there's one action that he takes at this point that gets him moving towards the light does anyone see it any guesses feel free to just guess no wrong answer. Well, there is a wrong answer, but we'll, we'll see. Make sure you get the right answer. I think he's talking about God here because it says, in, but, I, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Yeah, he's going to get there. But there's a step he takes in that direction. So thank you for, for answering, Jake. Yeah. He recalled. Yeah. He recalled. He's calling something to mind. Here's the first action. He chooses to focus his thoughts and it's kind of a broken sentence because we're going to answer, well, what was he thinking on? And there's a kind of a spoiler alert, which is great. But he's choosing to focus his thoughts on something other than just the suffering. Okay? But this I call to mind. There's a brilliant mathematician by the name of John Nash. In fact, he got a Nobel Prize in economics. He was brilliant. Uh, he passed away four years ago. And um, he struggled with his mental health. And at one point, he was started hallucinating, hearing voices, and that led him to not be able to determine what's real and what are these these voices that he's hearing. And it got to the point where he got diagnosed with schizophrenia and he started going on these heavy medications. He got sent to, to mental hospitals. Brilliant guy, but he really struggled. And at one point he just got so sick of like the medications and all that he was on that he just decided to stop taking it. And what he started doing, what started help him, helping him get to a more... um I guess a normal lifestyle he I don't think he ever really got out of it the mental problems but what he started doing and what he realized is I can choose what I'm thinking about like I don't just have to hear these voices I can say no and like push them aside and and choose to think about what I know is true and I'm going to fight this these hallucinations and that really helped him start to get out of this this struggle of of schizophrenia you see, we have the ability to choose what we're thinking about. We can push aside certain thoughts and be like, I'm going to focus on what I know is right and true. And that's what the speaker does here. That's what Jeremiah is doing. I'm not going to just let my thoughts just wander and keep going back to the past. I'm going I'm to focus my mind on something else. So that's the first action. He's choosing to focus his thoughts okay, what is he going to shift his thoughts to? What is he calling to mind? What is the this I call to mind? That's the second action and it's seen in verses 22 through 24. Let me read it. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul therefore i will hope in him so like jake mentioned earlier what does he shift his focus to and this is the second action he chooses to focus on what is true about the lord who the lord is and this is incredible even though he struggled with i know god's been in control and he's allowed this suffering He doesn't allow that to distance him from the Lord, because he knows in the end, God is still loving and good. Did you catch how he said, God's steadfast love? It doesn't ever end. His mercies, it's like every morning, they're like the dew. They're fresh every morning. He has steadfast, loyal love, a committed love. That's the idea here behind love. It's a covenant love. God entered into a covenant with his people and he He committed to love them. And it wasn't just, uh, well, I guess I have to love them. It was, I want to love them and I want to be good to them. And he's committed to this people. His mercies never come to an end. God's love is so different from ours. Ours fluctuates, it comes and goes. It's not easy to love certain people because when they don't love us back, but God's love is constant, never ending. Every morning's a new experience of his mercy. Great is your faithfulness. The idea behind faithfulness is being constant or firm. One way it it was used um, is when, if you remember the story in Exodus, Moses lifted up his, his arms with a rod and the people of Israel were fighting and they were getting victory and his arms became tired and so Aaron and Hur came alongside and and help him and it says his arms were steady or um are faithful that's that's the say, the word the, the idea here you're you're firm you're holding on and and God is holding on he's great in that he's great in in being constant in his character he talks about the lord now being everything to him he's my portion when Israel went into the promised land, they got portions of their land. That's that's the word, portion. And it's like, the he's saying, look, I, the Lord's is everything. Isn't it true that maybe when you go through a hardship, it seems like God's taking things away? That's an opportunity for him to become your portion. Everything. And that's what he's experienced. I've lost so much, but I have... The Lord is my everything. He's my portion. And therefore, I hope in him. So, first action, he's going to concentrate his thoughts. Second action, he's going to put his thoughts on the Lord and what is true about the Lord. But it doesn't end there. What's he going to say next? What's he going to do next? There's a third action here. And it's actually found in verse 24. And it's this, he preaches the truth to himself. My soul says to me, you know, my soul says, the Lord is my portion. And that's a concept and a principle that you'll see in other passages of Scripture. We won't turn there, but if you go later on, you can read Psalm 42 and 43. They're kind of... um they probably were originally written as one psalm and got at some point they kind of got divided up. But there's another story of someone who's struggling and he has enemies coming against him and his enemies are asking the question, where's your God, huh? Where, where's your God? And he's depressed. But here's what he does. He has hope and the hope comes when he starts preaching truth to himself. And he keeps coming back to that. My soul says this. This is what I'm preaching to myself. So sometimes we have to preach what is true to ourselves. Our feelings maybe are going crazy, but we can come back to what is true and we may have to preach it to ourselves and hold on to what is true there. You could think about what's going on kind of like this. If I were to get into a spaceship and I would go out into space, you know, lift off and um, and get up there and, and if I were to unclick my seatbelt, I would start floating around, right? Would it be correct for me to say, there's no more gravity in the universe? Well, no. But my experience says that. But... Is that true for you guys on this earth? Of course not. See, my experience says one thing, but what is true about gravity on earth is that it's state. Whether I'm here or in space, that gravity is constant. So whether or not I'm experiencing gravity, there's still gravity on the earth. With with this writer, if he were to just rely on his feelings, that's not always what is true. But what is true is God's character. The fact God is great in love. He's great in faithfulness. And and sometimes our experiences don't make it seem like he's that loving or that he's good or that he's a merciful God. But that's what's true about him. And what I found when I've gone through trials and hardships at the moment, maybe I don't feel like that God is very loving but give it some time. And, and you start to realize, I'm so glad I'm not looking to my experiences to believe what I believe about God. Yeah, I realize, okay, God, you are loving. Yeah, God, you are kind. So we we shouldn't just rely on our experiences to inform us about who God is. He He's loving and his mercies never end. He's great in faithfulness so these three actions he's choosing to focus his mind on the lord and he preaches truth to himself you could sum it up in in that way he chooses to focus on the lord and preach truth to himself so what does that look like practically real quick as we're coming to an end Talking to a man not too long ago, uh, a very godly man, and he was relating to me how not too long ago he went through severe depression, like really deep depression. And we were just talking, um, and it was me or maybe someone with me asked him, I don't remember, like what brought you out of that depression? He was going in circles in the woods, and it was really dark. And yet, the Lord brought him out of that. He saw a light. You know, what, what was it? What was it that brought him out? And the thing that he said that made a difference for him was getting his focus on the Lord and what he has done. He talked about just thinking about the amazing salvation that God has provided. So reading about the big words, theological words like justification and sanctification which really though they're big words, they're they're not necessarily super hard concepts. You you can easily go and you guys can read a book about it. And and it's um it's just these truths of what God has done for us. That's what brought him out. Why? Because he was choosing to get his focus on the Lord and he was getting himself immersed in truth. And it brought him to light and it brought him out of this great darkness. And that was his testimony and his story. He has hope now, and he's going, gone on, and he, he's faithfully serving the Lord now and uh, continuing in that. So how do we, again, practically, what does this look like? It, it looks like getting into God's Word. That's where we see what's true about who the Lord is. Not relying on our experiences, but this is true of the Lord. It involves getting into um, um, reading books about what he's done. Um, and maybe they're a little hard to understand. There's some easier ones. There's some harder ones. But people just talking about God, the salvation that God has provided for us. And, it, and it, what does it do? It gets our focus off of ourselves, off of our situations. And it gets us back on the Lord. And then we have hope. So... The next time, maybe you go through a season of darkness, it feels like you're lost and you're going in circles, Um, there's hope. I want you to know this morning, there is hope. There is a light out there. It's not complete darkness. You don't have to stay there. You go to the light of who Jesus Christ is, the Lord is. And you take these steps, you, you you turn your thoughts on him and you you choose to focus on who he is and what's true about him and and then sometimes you just got to preach that back to yourself and come back to it over and over again and speak what is true and what we see about him in his word. All right let's close in in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we know what is true about you through your word. And Father, I pray for anyone here that maybe has been or maybe even is right now going through a dark time. Father, I pray that you would um, just flood their heart with the light of who you are, with the glory of who you are and what you have done. You are good. Your love never ceases. And we thank you that we can rely upon you no matter what dark woods we go through. You are constant and faithful. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.